Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books of Firewater podcast. We apologize for any inconvenience this may cause. Each week, these idiots bear cocktails with comic books. We're a drinking podcast. We're the comic book problem. If Brian gets his shit together, it'll be... No, we can just blame Brian. It's fine. Brian, it's all Brian's fault. Hey! Oh, man, that would have been brilliant. Yeah. Welcome to the episode uh, 178, I think, something around there. Uh, of the episode, episode. Man, 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 man. Yeah, I don't know. Welcome to episode... Season two. Season two, episode two. We'll call it that, you know. Uh, episode of uh, Funny Books and Firewater podcast. As Adam reminded me, our old slogan, which I forgot because it was a year ago, uh, we are a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. I didn't even say that right. Adam, will you say it for me because I fucked that up? So, we're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Thank you. Okay. Obviously, I my have brother a agrees. drinking problem. Your brother agrees? Yeah, he walked into my room earlier this week, and he went, Damn, Todd, that's a lot of comic books. I don't know about you, but I'm both, like, really proud of my comic book collection and also slightly depressed by it. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of nice to sit there in a room and look at all the crazy shit that you've read but it's also a little depressing to look at all the crazy shit that you've bought and then read. Yeah. He's like, do you know how much you've spent on this? And I'm like, I'd rather not. Yeah. (laughs) So you should totally see my board game collection. It's, it's about that bad as far as you're doing with graphic novels. So Uh, they take up more space. Congratulations and condolences. Yeah. Well, Clark's favorite video game of all time is dark souls. So I had backed the Dark Souls board game on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and I've spent the last two years hunting down every single expansion. So half of our closet is just Dark Souls expansions. So wow, and they're expensive. <laughs> Dark Souls in the closet does sound like a gay porn parody of some kind. I don't know. Dark Souls in the closet. <laughs> I, I don't know the plot of that movie. I don't want to know the plot of that movie. Uh, but we'll jump back on topic here. I of course I. You know, I want to make this shorter and, and you know, and, and faster, but of course, I'm the one who's leading us astray. So, um, yeah. also leading us astray to Dark Souls in the Closet, we have Mr. Adam. Hey guys, what's up? This is Adam. I am in very sunny and hot. When we record this, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, yeah, hopefully one day I can get back to reviewing movies when they can safely open theaters. Uh, but yeah, I'm also the film critic and reviews editor for Big Shiny Robot. I would say go there, but I haven't posted things since, like, December. So, yay! And one hell of a guy, also. I a try. hell of a guy. A hell of a guy. Speaking of a hell of a guy, we also have Lena. <laughs> I knew. I knew. I know. I'm that sorry. That's what you were going to say. I'm sorry. Rude. If it makes you feel I better, Lena, originally I was just going to do it in alphabetical order, and then it just that just led into it naturally. So I, I apologize, but... Yeah. You know. It's go. okay. You're pretty. I forgive you. So I'm not that pretty. Um, I, <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm. Hi guys. I'm Lena. I'm an event manager uh, that is um, stuck in the lovely state of Connecticut, as my office in Manhattan has been officially closed until January one. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, well, it, total tangent. I and, and future Brian, if you want to cut this out, you can. I um, am actually planning to make a trip, like a month long trip out to Denver, possibly California um, in the September, October time. Ooh. Get away. I mean, I have to, I'm working from I'm working remotely as it is, so mm-hmm. might as well yeah. be around people I want to be around and not in the lovely state of Connecticut. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You are going to be so high that entire time. Oh my god, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can neither confirm. This is the one time I so miss Denver because all I keep saying to my sister is, "See, this is the perfect time." to smoke a blunt and fall asleep. Yeah. I can't do that here. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that I have a stash of California gummies somewhere in my house. Okay, well, um, since I was going to continue in alphabetical order, hi, I'm Brian. Um, I am in uh, Southern California and uh, working for an evil corporation, which no longer pays me to edit this podcast on company time, so I now have to do this on my own damn time. Whatever. Anyway. That's the motivation. <laughs> It is motivation, but yeah, you know, it's, I actually have to get paid. And like, they actually want me to do stuff they're paying me for now, which is like stupid. Um, I know, heartless corporations. Um, I have decided, though, that I am a stormtrooper for the evil empire. And uh, when I leave said job, that I'm going to get a stormtrooper tattoo to commemorate my time as a stormtrooper. So that's actually. Nice really perfect Brian. i know isn't it isn't it <laughs> really perfect yeah i'm 100 percent planning on doing that so we'll see how that goes uh speaking of a stormtrooper for an evil corporation it's mr todd i'm the guy who's bringing up the rear thank you very much <laughs> giggity that's my job <laughs> yes it is so hey i'm todd i'm also in salt lake here with adam close but far away we haven't seen each other in ages so um, I don't work for the big evil empire just for a private equity one, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. Here I am. Um, oh also, shit! I was supposed to say hi to you today because I was in Bountiful. Were you? Yeah, I saw my therapist today. Oh yeah, I sold my house today. Oh. Oh, nice. congratulations! Yay! Yay! Yeah. So that happened. Nice. Wife cried because she's like, this is the room where I found out I was going to have a child. <laughs> and this is where she took her first steps. And then she got the camera where we conceive the child. <laughs> there was a lots of trying, but the successful one took a group effort. Yeah. And Asian twins. And they were. They are like 22 years old. <laughs> Here's the thing. I might just leave that in there without anything else, and then people will just be curious, which is exactly what you want when you tell that story anyway. That's absolutely true, because it's all technically and factually correct. Yes, and it's not in any way sexual, so. Um, the conceivement and implantation of a child is absolutely sexual. Right, but I mean, involving right? the Asian twins. They were, they were just, uh, they were just voyeurs. They're observers. Sure. They were learning yeah, from the hey, experience. Whatever your kink is, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Um, and so, yeah. So this week we are doing Witches by uh, Scott Snyder and illustrated by Jock. And mm-hmm. uh, the colors are by Hollingworth. I, he did something else I've read recently. 
Um, uh, and then, uh, yeah, so uh, the basic gist of it is, is that a family moves to a remote town of Litchfield, New Hampshire. And uh, their name is the Rooks, by the way. Um, and they and they basically they have like a trauma that happens beforehand with basically their daughter has a weird fucking thing where like they think that she killed this girl who was bullying her, but some other weird shit happens. And then come to find out that there are these creepy witches creatures in this town, and the town is haunted, and the witches um, are uh, are are basically eating children's souls to to live off of. Is that essentially correct? Yeah. 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 As you okay. do, so yeah. Well, the art is creepy as hell. It's anyone. Yeah, uh, well, it's, it's people who have been pledged to yeah. the witches, which uh-huh. they don't. It's basically a demonic fraternity. Kind of, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Or you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's like pre-ordering your food at KFC. Um, you know, it's just that's <laughs> my order, and I'm, oh come on, that's a good explanation, Elena. That's that's a very Corona reference, is what that is. Oh my gosh! Okay. Anyway, uh, Mr. Adam, do you have a cocktail for us this week? I do. Yes, and I've let me pull it up really fast. I've saved the picture. Okay. Um, How's last I've week's just, cocktail tasting right now? So I, I did, and uh, decided to make the holy water uh, drink from last week. I had to make a few little tweaks because uh, Clark doesn't like pineapple, so I wanted to make one for him. So I left out the pineapple. The first go-around was okay, mm-hmm. but the second go-around, and what I highly recommend, is substituting coconut rum for normal rum and add a little bit more pine uh, lemonade, and it's quite delicious. It's a perfect summer lighthearted cherry drink. So, All right. Appropriate yeah, the, for the, the frat co- girl in your life. Exactly. Who's me? Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, the, the coconut rum definitely helps kind of mellow out the... Uh, the blue curacao taste. Otherwise it's a little bit too overbearing, even with gotcha. like a half shot. Okay. Uh, so I've decided to name this drink, the dirty cauldron. Oh. And we do this <laughs> with a half shot of uh, 151, a half shot of SoCo, a half shot of Canadian whiskey, splash of pineapple juice, splash of cranberry juice, and a splash of Grand Marinier. Put it in a shaker filled with ice, shake the shit out of it. And then you'd strain into a tall glass on the rocks. How was that one? That I've not tried because I don't have any of those alcohols in the house. <laughs> That's too bad. They're all expensive alcohols. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was the name of that one more time? Uh, the the Dirty, Dirty Cauldron. Cauldron. Okay, so I had been watching too much um, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine because I almost wanted to say the name of your sex tape, The Dirty Cauldron. Uh, yeah, that actually... Well, actually, no, I douche beforehand. So, oh, okay. You know. oh, and I, I did make a... I made a mistake. I'm sorry. It's a half shot of SoCo peach liqueur, not SoCo. Oh, that it has to be peach. Okay. And peach, peach liqueur, yes. Pepper. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see that at first until I was just double-checking the the, uh, the recipe, so. Okay. Cool. Uh, right. I have I have a drinking game rule. Does everybody else have a drinking game rule? Yes. Okay. Oh, shit. Let me look really fast. <laughs> okay, well, I'm a little afraid of people stealing mine, but I, I will wait and let Lena go first just in case. Go ahead, Lena. Um. Mine is amusement. Anytime you see references or anything that has to do with an amusement park, take a drink. Okay. Cool. Uh, Mr. Todd. Hi, that's creepy. Every time you see pictures of the witches themselves, you need to take a drink. Okay. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, mine is a tip at Nipply. Uh, every time there is a, uh, you see a nipple or a reference to a nipple, take a drink. 
which right. ha- happens a lot in this and was particularly disturbing to me. Uh, Mr. Adam, have we given you enough time? Yes. So mine is called A Blood-Soaked Story. Every time you see a splatter of blood on a page. Okay. Cool. Or uh, what you think is blood. <laughs> what you think is blood, yes. Or red. Anytime there's a red splatter. A red splatter of some kind. Yes. Okay. Mr. Todd, were you the one who originally recommended this? I am. Okay. I am, spoiler alert, I'm not a particular fan, so I want you to try to tell me what it is about this that you particularly enjoyed. The, um, so, so for this is really, I got turned on to this book by the artist Jock. Yeah. He um, had originally, the one where I fell in love with Jock was the uh, Vertigo limited series, uh, The Losers. Yes. And that was amazing. Like, well, what else has this guy done I can get my hand on? And I saw there was this witches thing. And I even read other Scott Snyder stuff at this point. This was probably my first Scott Snyder thing I ever read. Mm-hmm. So my opinion of the Scott Snyder side of the thing is, eh, what has me here is Jock. It's the, what's truly amazing for me is you can see some elements of the losers, but the way he has embraced the um, digitalness of the art and even where the colorness came in is this book captures mood and tone so unlike anything else I had read up to that point. Cause you kind of have like, Oh look, here's family sequences. Isn't this nice and warm and cuddly. And then you've got shots in the woods and of the witches. And you're like, this is what am I seeing here? This is just creeping me out. In a way that um, sans music that I have hardly ever seen anywhere else. Okay. So for me, it's, it, it's, it's all about the marrying of the artwork. And it truly shows what, the, um, what a digital colorist can do. Okay. And I will agree with you that I think it's Hollingworth who really shines here. Um, I, I, I like and, the coloring. Especially if you look at the special features in the back of how they made it. I uh-huh. don't particularly like Jacques' art in this. I love his art as covers. Um, I like his stuff in The Losers. For me, this is some weaker work from both Snyder and Jacques. I, I just didn't particularly care for it. But Hollingworth, I think, does a great job on this. And I think a lot of what it's, I think where the greatest benefit comes through is, is like with his splatter color techniques that he's using, which he's done mm-hmm. on something else. I don't remember where, but I remember seeing him do that somewhere else. Um, sure. And I mean, like, I think he does some really good stuff, but like, yeah, I, I had a hard time getting behind all this. Are you showing me off your fancy cover? Oh, you have well, a black well, and white version. This is called like the Ooh. artist edition, uh-huh. artist proof. So this is just issue one, and I picked it up without any colors. And if you really want to see how much elevation, I mean, that right there. I mean, oh, interesting. Doesn't do anything. Oh, but it. I feel like that looks better than my issue. That's interesting. So maybe you have a point there. What, can you tell me what page that is? I just want to look at it for comparison. There's not a page number on here. So it, I mean, it, it, you're in the first issue? The trick is being pulled into the tree. Yeah, that's the first issue. Okay. So, I mean, looking at it right here and going through here, I mean, it's um, the colorist, Collingsworth, added so much, and he usually used jock stuff as a template. Okay. But he just, um, you know, went above and beyond on top of it. But even that black and white portion, you're just like, this is, um, it's, it's a fascinating comparison. 
And what this book really did for me is show the, the, the potential and the capabilities of um, w- why this medium rocks and okay. what it is capable of. You, you may be converting me a little bit. You, you're proving your point, but this is the thing: is we originally were supposed to record this yesterday, and uh, and Todd yeah. wasn't able to make it, and so I, we deliberately moved it today. And I was like, I really wanted you to be here because I wanted you to show your work because I wasn't necessarily completely convinced on this book. Um, but I've been spe- singing the praises of this book for years. Yeah. I know, which is part, it might be one of those things where it's like one of those bands that someone's like, "Oh, you got to check this band out. You got to check this band out," and you finally hear it, and you kind of go. This is what you've been yeah. telling me for like five years, you know? So, yeah. Anyway, Lana, what well, were your thoughts? Um, I've realized that I am not the biggest horror fan. Okay. No matter uh, what I subjected you to. <laughs> yes, yes. You died, Brian. And I really did. It was did. a good effort. It was Thanks. a good effort. Thanks. Um, and don't get me wrong. I really love uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Um. Wow, I have that recorded. I just want everyone to know that. She admitted that on recording. I'm very And I wanted to also be known, and Christopher will remember this dearly, I watched it and I was like, it's not that bad. And then we watched it with Christopher, who then we had to drive home (laughs) because he was (laughs) deathly afraid of going home by himself in the dark because of that movie. And I was like, that wasn't scary. What scared me was the redo of Amityville Horror with Ryan Reynolds to which when Brian and I got home, I made him turn on every light and check every ceiling and under every everything that we had so that before I could go to sleep. Like I remember I li- that. And then we had to watch Superstar before we went to bed. I needed like a palate cleanser after That's that. That's right. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so Brian really did try. But <laughs> when I saw the tree, the whole like, them getting sucked into the trees and the, the whole thing with the woods, all I thought of, and I didn't read the chilling adventures of Sabrina, but I watched the show. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the first thing that came to my mind. Interesting. Was the, the witches who would like screw with all the new witches or whatever in the woods. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. And that was the first thing that I came up with. It's super creepy. Yeah. Um, I was, it took me um, a minute to kind of understand what was going on with the father on the Ferris wheel. And it was just strange. Oh, the flashbacks Um, to his bender. Yeah. Okay. And so it, I had to reread those pages a couple of times to be like, what is going on here? And then I finally, it, it did make sense. Um, I really liked the end where you find out it was the mother who um, oh, yeah. sacrificed her daughter. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, what in the hell? Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I think that's, it's so interesting. And the fact that like the one thing that you always hear from people is you can replace anything. You can't replace your kids or anything. And she was like, we'll have more. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't have children, honey. Maybe this is a sign that you weren't meant to be a mommy. Like, um, so it, that was really, um, it's just it's interesting how when the when it started, it felt like 
something definitely happened. And you think it's because she was like the um, sailor who's the girl, the little girl is like bullied in her last town. And so you're not really maybe that she's a witch. And like, that's what they were talking about. That's what I thought at the beginning was that she was one of these witches and she was going to become one of these people or whatever. And um, it totally threw me for a loop. I'm not, it's not something that I would read further. It's not something that I'd be like, yeah, it's one of my favorites, but um, it did. And it didn't really keep my interest, which is why I say that I'm, I'm definitely not a fan of horror, but I, the art I loved. um, I love the way that, that sailors glasses are always this like yellow color in Mm -hmm. every panel. where it wasn't like, oh, you know, she's wearing glasses and it, they always do that weird blue to show it's glass kind of thing. And uh-huh. um, I like the fact that her glasses always had that yellow tint. Um, and the fact that it was her and her father. So I really dived into the story. I don't pay attention to anything else. When I Even when I read regular books, everything plays like a movie in my head. Mm-hmm. So um, when I read these graphic novels i just don't really pay too much attention to the art (laughs) terrible to say but the story itself isn't bad i think it'd be an interesting like uh i'd love to see them do something with it in terms of like a uh maybe not a movie but i kept thinking of something like a video game oh oh yeah definitely that would work really well because the storyline is there's enough in the storyline that it keeps you interested, but there's so much in each of these pieces that you could have those weird offset mini games, like those mini, not games, but like mini side quests. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I don't play video games either. And, uh, but the, one of the games that I actually really, really liked. And again, I'm not a video game person was um, all the Bioshock games. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and so, but when you play Bioshock, it you you get thrown into it feels like a movie, mm-hmm. and there's all these things that you have to do. And when I read this, I was like, this could totally be turned into something like that, where you maybe you aren't the girl or part of the family, but you're you're the father or you're a, the father's friend Reggie, and you go, you know, and there's like all these things that you could could go through and, and kind of figure out and see what the hell's happening. And so it's kind of like, um, uh, like when there's old mist games kind of thing, but the people are still alive and you're still trying to solve the mystery or whatever. Yeah. And so that it's that, but it's, I just, I thought that I don't think it would be good for TV or a movie or anything, but as I started read, as I kept reading it, I was like, I could see this being more interactive mm-hmm. than, than mm-hmm. just a, a comic book. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Adam, what are your thoughts? So I think I'm kind of in unison with everyone as far as how pretty much amazing the uh, the the art was. I mean, it sucks you in. Uh, some of the maybe it was just me, but some of the the sections where it was kind of more normal with just the family mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of Lock and Key a little bit. I okay. don't know if maybe I was the only one who caught that, but you know, just the, the family relations and kind of the way they drew that, and then you get sucked into this hell world. Uh, which kind of going back to what Lena said with the video game, 
really reminded me kind of the Silent Hill games, mm-hmm. like when everything oh. goes to hell and it's all just like creepy and gross. And you've got demon nurses and horror babies and all this weird shit. We were like, what the fuck am I getting myself into? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the artwork is just standout, fantastic. Uh, the story, I wasn't quite a big as, as big a fan on. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I that really touched me, because actually it was brought up today in, in therapy, uh, was the whole idea of at the beginning with Sail, Sailor where she you know, was being tormented by these bullies and then something bad happens and the bully goes away. And it mm-hmm. kind of brought up when I was going through shit as a kid and you know, as someone who's been gay bash, who's been put in the hospital because of it and dealt with you know, extreme bullying, there were times when I was a kid where I would have given anything for the bully to go away no matter what it was. Mm-hmm. And then... In hindsight, if let's say something like that had happened, like you know the bully got murdered or eaten by a tree, like you know Evil Dead style, uh, you know how much guilt would I actually carry with me? So yeah. even though that the the source of this torment was gone, is the torment that happens afterwards worth that? And especially for someone like her who's dealing with all these, you know, the, these mental issues and and just problems mm-hmm. she's having in her own life, compounded by this this evil force that is now haunting her. Uh, so that was something I really didn't think about until today because it was brought up, you know, what, four hours ago. Uh-huh. Uh, that being said, as someone who's seen so many movies I have and seen so many plots used over and over and over again, the, the climax and kind of the denouement of the story wasn't a surprise to me because I kind of mm-hmm. guessed that, I'd say, less than halfway through mm-hmm. just because I've seen it happen so many times in so many different forms of so many movies I've seen. So that's, you know, if you read it and you didn't get it, this isn't a slide against you anyways. I mean, it just means I've seen, you know, when I was in full force, hundreds of movies a year. And so that plot tropes used a lot. Uh, so yeah, in the end, I think I was a bit let down by the story overall, but there are some really cool themes that run through it about abandonment, about guilt. Uh, and, you know, basically what would you give up to, save your own life or make your life better and also touches on the idea of selfishness and because selfishness in and of itself is a good thing. You know, you need to keep an eye out for yourself and take care of yourself to a point because let's say I give you my last bit of food and now I'm starving. That puts me in a bad place where I can't help other people. But obviously in this book, the way it takes with uh, people being pledged and so on and so forth, it was very much like a Faustian agreement where okay, I'll give you this and you give me this, but you know the monster's always going to be hungry. Mm-hmm. So as mu- actually what's kind of funny is the more I talk about it now, the more I like the book. <laughs> yeah, but that's what uh, happens. Like when we just sort of yeah. analyze it and you start discussing it, like I've also just, I mean, I'm sure you've seen those movies too where you're like, you walk away from it not knowing how you feel about it and you start discussing it and start going, oh, I either really liked it or I really hated it. But the more you just talk, yeah, exactly. think about it, discuss it, yeah, you get a, a different perspective of it. Yeah, absolutely. But I think definitely the... You know, with this book, you know, if you if you read it and you're kind of on the fence like I was, as we've just kind of proven with this discussion, is that get a friend who's not going to freak out and make them read the book too, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then go out and have drinks and talk about it. Because I think that will help you kind of see, even before we record this, I was talking with Clark and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this book. Like, I'm really on the fence. Mm-hmm. And while I wouldn't say I'm the world's biggest fan, it's definitely kind of won me over to where I... I thinking back on it, I do enjoy it a lot more and I'm kind of pulling out more of the themes that Snyder wanted to get across. So the art's amazing. Uh, and I think the themes and well, I found the plot a bit lacking. The undertones have kind of floated to the surface and I can see those better now. 
Okay. Uh, sure. One of the things that um, specifically kind of bothered me, and I think it was more of like PSD from last year when we did the Alan Moore month and we did ne- Necromance or Necromonomicon or whatever it was. Yeah. What's the like the needle in the nipple thing? I was like, is this necessary at all? Like that fucked yeah. me up. I have a needle through my nipple. Yeah, but you're not like trying to. It was like the the surgical needle <laughs> into the nipple, not through. You know what I mean? Not. It wasn't a piercing. It was like a. I don't know. It was something about that particularly that just kind of made me cringe. But I thought I cut you off like twice now. So if you want to speak up, no, you're really good. Um, it goes back to the art for me. What's so interesting is. There's that occasional full-page spread. And for me, it's one of the most powerful I've seen. There's one where it seems like like the witch is walking by. And with mm-hmm. the nature of it, it's almost like you're looking at the witch through a dirty window. And you're like, oh, she's walking by. And then you're like, but she's looking at me and just choose. And like, kind of like, you are so beneath me, I'm not even going to bother. Uh-huh. As it's going through. And I just look at this thing. And I'm like, I can just sit there. And the more I look at it, and it... It's nothing explicitly grotesque, and yet is by far one of the creepiest things I have ever. What uh, what page at. is that on? I mean, Do you know? Not, I don't know. It's the the one I was showing you here is just the first issue. My actual copy of the book right now I lent out. Oh, okay. But uh, the um. But, hmm? Sorry, continue, Todd. I, I want to look at something for myself. So, but looking at that, so you're just going through and you're looking there and I, I, I feel like a voyeur and I'm violating. It's almost like it's looking at you and breaking the fourth wall and Deadpool is so cheeky about it. And for this one, it was just a, um, I feel like I'm violating something mm-hmm. by looking. And it was just, I'm like, this is so, you know, it's like so creepy and surreal. Mm-hmm. And it just, um, it, it brought out emotions in me I've never seen anywhere else. And it stuck with me. And I even go back to it and I'm like, yep, there it is. There it is. So it's, um, and the story again is fine. I mean, so Scott Snyder wrote this a few years after he did a uh, court of owls with Batman. So okay. he was already successful working at DC. And then he did this as a side thing, just trying, I guess, getting it out there. So it wasn't a, uh, it was something they decided to get out on their own, right? I mean, Jock doesn't need to do interiors. He does enough covers. And he yeah. covers enough for it. I'm yeah. So um, these two uh, had uh, done earlier the Batman Black Mirror. It was actually a Detective Comics run. Have you guys read that one? I've read that. Jock did that? Um, I don't think so. Oh, it's I great. Read- it's uh, Dick Grayson's Batman in it. It's during that time period while uh, Grant Morrison was writing the main line. So okay. Dick Grayson is actually Batman, but it's a uh, it's uh, another creepy horror story where uh, Jim Gordon's son is the villain. So, but yeah, but no, it's um, that team up is really great. But yeah, it's Jock's art and Hollingsworth with the colors here just absolutely hit it out of the park. Yeah, I so. was. Um, I'm, I'm wondering. I mean, do you happen to know does does he write in the Marvel style or in the DC style for this? Oh, uh, he has incredibly detailed scripts. Okay. Scott, Scott Snyder is not the Marvel style. Okay. I was just curious. I, I have, 
Um, I was given a, as a, a, a gift. Of, uh, uh, Ellen's sister took a comic book class in college and has a copy oh. of the How to Write Comics in the DC Style book that she gave me. She also offered me an uh, Understanding Comics book, and I was like, oh, I definitely already own. It's the McDonald one. That I, I know you own it, right. too, Todd. Um, I'm like, oh, I have that one, yeah. but I'll, I'll take the DC one. So I was just, I, I, it's been sort of on my mind recently, and I was like, I wonder. I mean, I would suspect that would be the case. Um, for those of you at home who don't necessarily know, uh, Marvel kind of comes from this old Stan Lee style where he would just sort of describe the plot and let the artist make it up, and then he would go in and add the dialogue later. And sometimes it's still used, sometimes it's not. Part of it was just the fact that. Uh, they were making eight books a month and they couldn't afford a lot of writers. So Stanley was writing all of them. So he didn't have enough time to write individual scripts for everything. So he would just give all of his artists a, you know, a script that style. And then he would go back in and fill out the dialogue. So basically plot first, then art, then the dialogue. Um, and then DC always was a little bit more similar to what you would think of as like a, a movie or a play script where it has all the different uh, angles and shots and descriptions in it and the dialogue in it at the same time. Um, so that was it that was just sort of the question I sort of had based on also just the fact that Jacques is such sort of a renowned artist on his own, how much leeway, you know, he might have on this kind of thing too. Right. Cause you and I sat on a panel at WonderCon two years back now with um, Greg Capullo and Greg basically went, I got my first script from Scott and I called him up and I'm like, Hey buddy, you can uh, less detail, please. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Chill the fuck out, bro. Chill uh, out. You're not yeah. Alan Moore. Well, a Caputo is, is a Capullo or Caputo? Capullo. Okay. He is such like a rough New Yorker guy, and I kind of love him for that, but it was a lot of like, what the fuck is this shit kind of thing, which I kind of love about him, actually. Yeah, you take a look at him. I mean, he's got a chrome dome with a handlebar mustache, and he's got the, um, who's that band hoodie he's always wearing? He often wears, like, I've seen him in a Slayer. What else does he always wear? He, like, oh, it's really popular. Zach Wild is the. Oh, oh uh, Black Label Society. Oh, Black, Black Metal Society, yeah. Yeah, he's always pimping that. I think he's done a few album covers for them. I'm sure he has. So, like, he, he looks, looks like, like he could be the like bass player for Slayer or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, he has oh, a big old handlebar really mustache. Really nice. Like, he could be in a metal band easily. I'm probably, he probably is in one. He probably is. And then you look <laughs> at Scott Snyder, and he's a columbia creative writing professor sometimes oh yeah so if yeah, you weren't into so comics and you just saw him at costco you wouldn't know who the hell he was other than maybe a suburban dad that's exactly what he is <laughs> yeah no mistake so yeah but they're a great team up here but the jaw and jock looks like a uh, rougher version of carl pilkington no okay yeah okay uh here brian you yeah, I mean, no, and like, I mean, I, I mentioned it last week. I was just so disappointed because, like, I thought he was gonna be like this really cool Frenchman in a leather jacket, but he's not. Um, he's no Daft Punk. No, uh -huh. he's not. He's not. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: no one knows what Daft Punk really looks like. They are the most brilliant band ever because, like, they hide their what they look like. They can go have a normal life and still be a rock star. It's Good like being them. a princess at Disneyland. You know what I mean? Like, they're just famous when yeah. they're on the job, and then when they're not on the job, they're just normal people. Yep. Nope, that's awesome. That's the gig to have right there. Sure. So yeah, but it comes back to it. Why did we read this book? I love this book, and I've espoused this book for years, and it's an example of what the comic medium can be. Interesting. Okay. Really that up. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, anybody else have any major thoughts they want to get off their chest? Again, the discussion of this book definitely brought me around to enjoying it more than I thought I did because hearing people's viewpoints and then kind of digging into my own psyche and seeing where I wanted to go with it definitely made me appreciate it more. Okay. That's fair. Lena, you have anything to add? No, I'll, I'll mimic what, you know, I'll, I'll second what Adam just said. It, as we've, as we talked and I kind of talked through what I thought it, it's, um, I still am not the biggest fan of horror, but I didn't hate this book. It's not, it's something that, that I definitely think I got more out of it than I originally thought before we started talking. I'm really curious as to what you're going to think about next week's book, Lena. Um, you mean the behemoth of a book that I have to read? <laughs> It is, but to be fair, um, I, I mean, I'm about, I'm not quite halfway through it, but I've been really enjoying it. But it is, it's manga, and I always find that relatively quick to read personally. Um, maybe I'm the only one who feels that way, but I, I, I do. Um, but I've, I've been enjoying it, and some of the art in that is fucking crazy. Um, it's just, I mean, that's one of those things that I just think it's just interesting. Um, but we'll we'll talk about that next week. So I'm just I'm very curious as in comparison. I don't know if that's gonna you know win you back over to horror comics or not. But I'm just curious as to what your perspective on next week's will be. Um, well, we'll see. I started yeah. tomorrow. Okay, great, right. cool. Um, well, do you want to go do some final grades? Sure. Yeah. Okay, um, Lana, what's your final grade? Um, I'm gonna say a minus. Okay. Cool, uh, Todd. It's an A minus as well. The um, I absolutely adore the art. I adore the art more so. I neglect the story. Okay. Well, A minus. Uh, Mr. Adam, uh, I'm going to go with a B plus. Uh, you know, as we've all kind of stated, the art is absolutely fantastic. It's very surreal when it's dealing with the supernatural. Uh, kind of more grounded when it's dealing with present times, especially with a family. And again, after talking about it and really diving into the subtext that I think Snyder was trying to get across. I think they're, well, I don't think the story is the strongest. I think the message there, there's a lot to talk about. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think we've decided that it's a book that is, uh, is best experienced with uh, a therapy group therapy session following it. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with a B. I think I was originally lower, but I think this conversation has brought me up a bit. Um, so, and I think that what averages is that to about an A minus or so, I would say. Is that about fair? Two A minuses, a B minus, somewhere around there, yeah. A B plus, yeah. a B. Okay, B somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere between a B plus and A minus. That's that's pretty fair. Cool. Um, yes. Yeah, so next week we're going to be doing Uzumaki. Did I pronounce that correctly? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a Japanese manga horror film uh, about uh, spirals. Um, so for those of you who are into uh, Fibonacci uh, circles, is that it's, it's a Fibonacci? Yes, sir. Fibonacci uh, numbers. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Number. What's the what's the circle? The golden circle. What's that one? The golden ratio. The golden ratio. Is that Fibonacci too? Yep. Not okay. yep. Um, I am pointing at you as if my camera is on and it's not. Uh, but uh, so and and as if you could tell which person I was pointing at as I point at my computer screen. Um, cool. So anyway, we'll be doing that next week. Uh, thank you for joining us, um, and uh, we will see you all later. Bye. 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 Then we press the stop button if we can find it. Ah, where's the stop button? Find the button. Stop.